Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 18, and we'll be in verses 1 through 8 here in just a few minutes. Uh, but I want to ask you a question as we begin this morning. How many of you have a persistent mother or persistent father? Somebody that is just, uh, how many of you have a persistent spouse? Somebody that's relentless, that continually goes forward, right? So listen, this is a good thing that we're kind of praising for. Uh, this morning, I want to start with just an understanding. Uh, my mom was this for me in my life. Uh, the reality is that my mom continually prayed for me and still continues to pray for me. And I think that it is a big reason why I'm in the position that I'm in. And, and I, I remember when I was uh, in right at that college age, I, I took a job at Thomas and Hutton. I had to be at work at 630 in the morning to do land surveying. And I remember waking up at 530 and I remember every morning that I woke up, I would see my mom on her knees praying. Anybody, I mean, th this is powerful. And I remember asking her one day when she wasn't praying, and I said, Mom, you wake up every morning at 5.30. Who are you praying for? And she looked at me and she said, you. And I thought, she knows. <laughs> but I also began to think and go, man, this lady faithfully prays for me all the time. And I want you to think with me this morning because of her persistent prayer. I know that God used those prayers, but she was continually praying. I want you to ask you this morning, who do you continually pray for? Are you persistent in your prayer life? Is this something that is an afterthought, something that you do periodically? Or is this something that you persistently are a part of where you continually pray? And so I want to give you kind of an illustration this morning. I saw Janet Lee shared this little video. I actually shared it on my Facebook this past week uh, because this is what it looks like from a dog's perspective when God begin or when somebody begins to pray for you. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel. <laughs> I feel like because of my mom's prayer, Satan was hindered greatly <laughs> by getting to me a lot of times. And I think sometimes when we think about prayer, we think about it as kind of a lost art, something that we're really not a part of as much, something that we really don't take part in near as much, something that they did in old times, but that we don't really do this this much. And so I want to give you kind of a definition. Here's the simple understanding of what prayer is. Conversing with God. I want you to think with me for just a second because we have a lot of conversations on a regular basis. But this is the most important conversation that we should have continually. Imagine that the God of the universe, that he created you, he designed you, he created this world that we live in, listens to your prayers. He hears you. And sometimes, for some reason, we think that this God is this distant thing that we have no association with, and God is telling you, talk to me. I love the understanding that prayer is the act of honoring and communicating with God as our Heavenly Father. Man, one of the most precious times in my life is when something is taking place and I go to the Lord in prayer and I get on my knees and I say, God, I'm going to listen, I'm going to speak, but God, I need you to work 
And every time I spend that time in prayer, this weight is lifted off, knowing that He is our sovereign God and that He is in control of everything that is around us. And I want you to think, simply put, it's not what God can give us through prayer, but simply God that we want in prayer. And imagine that. Because I think that some of our structure to prayer is, God, give me, God, give me, God, do this for me, God, take care of me, God, bless me, God, do this. But it's simply that you have the opportunity to talk to him and he listens. So I want you to think this morning because I I want you to stand and read this prayer. And we've done this a couple of times in this. So if everybody would stand, the words are going to come up on the screens behind us. And this is the Lord's Prayer. And so I want to read this as a boldness with us as a church that we would proclaim these words. And so it starts in verse 9. Read this with me. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thank you. You may be seated. Man, when you think about the power that's in that prayer, the understanding is that we start with a knowing of who God is. Our Father, our Heavenly Father. And it says, hallowed be your name, that you are worthy to be praised, that you are worthy for me to stop and to spend time in prayer with. And he says, our Father in heaven. And then he says, not my will, but your will, your kingdom come. This is a recognition that God is in control and you are not. On earth as it is in heaven, that all of this is yours. And then we come to the point where it says, give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us. Give us provision. And then I don't know about you, but this next part is really important for me. And forgive us our debts. Man, every day this is something that needs to be prayed. As we also forgive our debtors. Do you know that it's easy for me to forgive myself, but it's tough for me to forgive others? And then this is the one that I continually find myself praying at the end. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The reality is that Barna Research Group did a a, a research study. And get this. Three out of of five Christians acknowledge praying at least one time a week. Imagine that. Because you would think that if we're believers, that this should be a five out of five rating, right? That we continually talk to our Heavenly Father, that we spend time in prayer with Him. And I think for some, when we talk about prayer, it's become this thing that we don't really take part in. And so when this topic is preached upon, guilt and shame begin to set in because of our prayer lives. But I want to encourage you this morning that guilt and shame do not come from the Lord. Guilt and shame come from Satan's attack. Only conviction comes from the Lord. And it looks completely different. So this morning, my goal is not to guilt you or shame you into prayer, but let the Lord convict you on what your prayer life should be. My goal is not to tear you down and to point out all of the flaws in your prayer life, but to give you an understanding of what your prayer life 
could look like. Listen, the reality is that all of us could improve on our prayer life. So as we look to this parable, and I love this parable, and the title of this parable is The Persistent, the Parable of the Persistent Widow. And I love that this is a unique parable in the understanding that is completely different because most parables are an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And you read the parable and you begin to kind of digest it and try to figure out what it meant. Listen, this is a spoiler alert, kind of like Pat did when he told you he was, I was preaching on prayer. He spoiled the whole, no, I'm just kidding. This is the spoiler alert in, verse, in chapter 18 and verse 1. And he said, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now imagine with me, because now they get the understanding. This parable is going to give us an illustrative story, an illustrative understanding of what prayer should look like. Let me ask you this. How many of you have lost heart in prayer? You've pushed back, said, ah, I'm not sure that I can continue to do this. And why do I do this over and over again and none of my prayers get answered? I would tell you that most of the time when we pray, it's not an immediate response that God doesn't go, oh, let me give Jeff Hubbard exactly what he asked for today. Now listen, I have seen some prayers get answered really quick and there's some prayers that I've been praying for years and years and years. I want you to understand that he's giving you this parable so that you would not lose heart in your prayer life. So maybe you've come into this place this morning saying, listen, I am a religious person. I am a godly person. I love the Lord and I live for him. But the reality of this understanding is that in living for him, we need to know who God is. And we need to be able to spend time in prayer with him. And so I want you to think with me as we look at this parable this morning that we would not lose heart in our prayers. And so there's two characters that are illustrated in this. And so we see them in verse chapter two, uh, chapter 18 and verse 2. And he said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Now anybody ever stand before a judge? Maybe it was a traffic violation or maybe it was something that you were there. Did you look for a judge and go, hey, I hope this guy doesn't fear the Lord and doesn't care about me? Anybody pray that prayer? No. What did you pray? God, let this person have grace and mercy upon me, right? That was your prayer. That was your understanding of laying this out there saying, God, please give me a righteous man who understands grace more than anything. And he said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow. We'll get to her in here in just a second. The first person is the unrighteous judge. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. Imagine that this widow would go to the judge and to give kind of an understanding, this wasn't a courtroom setting. This wasn't a setting where they would go before the judge and hear and plead their case. This may be a judge that was standing under a shade tree. This may be a judge that would help somebody through a situation. This may be a judge that would really care for this person and help them understand something. 
So this lady, this widow, would continually go to the judge and say, give me justice against my adversary. Imagine this lady broken because of the loss of her husband is continually seeking justice. The judge's response in verse 4, For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, get that, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Can I give you an illustration that helps us understand this? How many of you, your kids are relentless when they're hungry? Mom, I'm so hungry. Please, it's nine o'clock. You had breakfast at eight. Please feed me. Please, I'm famished. I'm grumpy. I, please, listen, this same widow showed up day in and day out seeking justice. The judge had all the power to give her justice. She could not get justice on her own. It had to be given to her. He would choose whether or not justice was giving. And listen, he wasn't a good example because he didn't fear God and he didn't respect men. This is not somebody that you wanted to stand before. This is not someone that you could trust for a fair ruling. And I love that the understanding that leadership qualifications are given of what a judge should be. In Exodus chapter 18, verse 21 and 22, there's a, a, an interesting understanding of what, ju- what judges' qualifications should be. And Moses was in this position where he was continually judging and continually ruling for a lot of people. And it consumed his time. And so his father, father-in-law, Jethro, looked at him and said, hey, you need to restructure this. You need to change how this operates. You need to change how this works. So he went to Moses and he laid out before him. And so we pick this up in verse 21. Moreover, he said, look for able men from all people, men who fear God. Do you get that that's what a righteous judge looks like? He said, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. Can I tell you an important understanding of a judge? Somebody that answers to the Lord, not to people is willing to do what's right regardless of what takes place. Someone that you can trust, and listen, this is a key understanding, that hates to be bribed. Do you know that people will try to manipulate every outcome? People will go to a judge and pay a judge just to try to get their way. He says, you need people that hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. See, the frustration that was taking place with Moses is the line was so long that people weren't getting judgment. They weren't getting justice. Realize that they would actually go to a judge for a family problem, for a financial problem, and try to seek out his direction. He says, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden 
with you. Realize that in Jethro's words, he wanted to make sure that there was able men. This is what leadership qualities look like. Able men who will do the job well, that they would relate to people, that from the people that they would know who they're ruling upon, that they would fear God, and that they would be trustworthy. But when we look at this story, we have to understand who the judge represents. We know the difference between a good judge, a righteous judge, and an unrighteous judge. But who does this judge represent? Remember the first statement that this is about persistence in prayer. And realize this judge represents every obstacle to prayer in your life. If you think back and you understand why you don't pray continually like what you're used to, or maybe you've never been in a position where you do continually pray, there's obstacles to this. And just like this unrighteous judge that stood before this widow, we have the same obstacles to us. So how do we overcome these obstacles? The first thing that we have to do is begin to identify what the obstacles are. One of the first obstacles that we'll deal with is other people. Do you know that other people affect our life way more than they should? Imagine this. You woke up, you got a good night's rest, you had the perfect cup of coffee because it was more creamer than coffee. You had a bagel with good cream cheese and salt, whatever your breakfast choice is. And you get in your car and you begin to drive to work and as soon as you pull out of your driveway, somebody cuts you off. And your day from that point forward is rough. But maybe you prayed a prayer. God, help them to get in a wreck. God, help them to get a ticket down the road. Help, help them to get some justice. What your prayer should have been, God, allow them to ride or arrive to their place safely. Anybody pray that prayer? I'm working on it. Hadn't got there just yet, but maybe next week. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15 says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Listen, problems with other people, for some reason, instead of going to the Lord, we will allow this to monopolize our mind and continually torment us until we figure out we've got a solution. The reality is our answer to prayer or our understanding of prayer should be that the first thing that we do when other people frustrate us is go to the Lord. The next one, your wife or your spouse can be this obstacle to prayer in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. It says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Do you know why some of you may be struggling in your prayer life? It's because you don't love your wife the way that you should. Look, it's hard to talk to God when you can't even love your wife. 
Listen, the same is for a husband. This is the reality is that sometimes our relationship is in such division, such just constant turmoil that we forget to talk to God because we're continually strategizing how we can treat our spouse poorly. I love what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, where he says for us to live with your wives in an understanding way. Listen, if you're not loving your wife correctly, it's hard to pray because you don't want God to reveal what's wrong with you. Listen, we are selfish by nature and sometimes it's hard and this can be one of the main obstacles. I think this is the top obstacle to to prayer is sin in our life. In Psalm chapter 66, verse 18 through 20, it says, I had cherished iniquity in my heart. The Lord would not have listened, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Can I tell you something? How many of you have ever been in trouble? Listen, this, I got in trouble a lot as a kid. I don't know about y'all, but me and my brother would fight continually. And sometimes we would be devious and we would think that we were not going to get caught. Anybody there with me? And you thought you outsmarted everybody that's around you. But then listen, sometimes you knew that they had caught you. And you know what's funny? You never wanted to go near your parents if you thought that they knew what you did. One of the greatest fears that I had to learn at an early age was, Jeff, do you need to tell me anything? (laughs) Nope. I made that mistake one time, and I revealed everything, and I got my butt whooped. For some reason... We view God in this exact same way. When sin is present in our lives, we remove God and we don't want to pray because we don't want to work on our sin. Listen, the reality is that this great hindrance to your relationship with Christ is that when you sin, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. The reality is that the first place that we should go when sin is present in our lives is to God, not run away from Him. This great hindrance to our prayer lives, the reason that you may not be faithfully praying is because of sin in your life. The next is wrong motives. In James chapter 4 and verse 2 through 3, he says, You desire and do not have, so you murder You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Listen, selfish gain will hinder your prayer life. If it's constantly, Lord, do this, do this, do this, do this. Imagine this, because sometimes the relationship with our kids is pretty one-sided. Dad, can you do this? 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 Mom, please do this. Please do this. Please do this. And sometimes we as parents want to go, hey, you do your job, I'll do mine. Amen? Our motives have to be pure. 
It's not for selfish gain that we, we spend time in prayer. Listen, the first parts of that Lord's prayer is our God, our Father. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Man, imagine that, that it is about God, not about us. I think one of the things that we've forgotten is that Satan hinders our prayers more than ever. Listen, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 12 through 17, and I won't read it for sake of time, gives us an understanding that Daniel and a group of individuals were praying to the Lord. And his prayers were delayed. His prayers were taken away by what he calls the Prince of Persia, a reference to Satan. The prayers were delayed for 21 days. And so understand that one angel called in another angel to get the prayers to God in heaven. And sometimes we don't understand that our prayers can be delayed. But listen, I want to give you hope this morning. Do you realize that this has been fixed through Jesus Christ? He tells us that there is one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ. Do you know that he hears our prayers directly? Listen, there's an understanding that he listens, that he hears. And listen, for some reason, we think that Satan has overcome us. Listen, he is not. Our God is bigger and greater and stronger, and he hears our prayers. come to the second person we understand that the unrighteous judge is there to deter our prayers or to hinder us from prayer then we come to this widow to understand the widow and understand the position that she was in she had lost all rights because as a widow typically during this time period it would be your husband's rights she had lost all ability to go to the courts and even being heard by the courts But I want you to understand, in verse 3, we understand who this widow is. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Imagine that day in and day out, she continually came. Do you know what the definition of this is? Perseverance. That she continued to seek Justice that she never gave up. She pushed past every obstacle of prayer. I guarantee you there were people that would see her go to this judge and go, when are you going to give up? When are you going to quit? He's not going to side with you. He's not going to rule with you. Why don't you just stop? Can I ask you this morning? Does that define you and your prayer life? Are you so persistent with your relationship with Christ? Does your prayer life look like this widow that would continually go to the judge every day? Let me be very real for just a second. I get tired of Christians that give up so easily. Listen, our job, our responsibility is to persevere, to be strong in our faith. It's kind of hoping for an amen there. 
our responsibility is to persevere. Nothing was made easy for this widow. She had grieved the loss of her husband. She had every reason to give up, but she didn't. She continued to persevere. Listen, I'm concerned with the state of the church. Because you could probably look over the past three years and see somebody that was faithfully a part of the church, faithfully in their relationship with Christ, that now is not. Do you know what the main reason for that is? Is a lot of times it's a prayer that wasn't answered the way that they wanted it to be answered. We're raising a very entitled generation that thinks that everything is about them. Everything belongs to them. Everything should be given to them. Everybody, listen, I I was taught very differently. I was taught to work for everything that I had. I was taught to be tough, to be resilient, to stand firm on what was right. I tell you, many people in the Christian faith have given up. Can I tell you? God gets the victory. We are with Him. We win with this. So why do we walk around defeated? I want you to think because right now you're either the widow that is faithfully pursuing their relationship with Christ, faithfully taking it every day and constantly getting up over and over and over again and living for Christ and spending time in prayer, or you're not. The third person in this is the righteous God. Verse 6, he says, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. He said, He finally gave in. He finally gave up. He finally gave in to it. Listen to what his definition of God is. And will not God give justice to his elect, his believers, his children, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Can I tell you this morning that God hears your prayers? He is a faithful God. He listens to every prayer that you pray. And I ask you, why did you stop talking to him? What have you given up on? What prayer is it that you stop praying saying, he's not listening? I tell you, every ounce of scripture points to the fact that he hears your prayers. That he loves you and that he cares about you as a good and gracious God. I think sometimes the understanding and the misconception is that God is my genie in a bottle and he should do everything that I wish that he should. The reality is that God is God and we are not. And that our will has to line up with His. And so what are your persistent prayers? What are the things that you need to be more persistent in? The only way that I know how to do this is to share with you what my persistent prayers are. One of the major prayers that I pray on a continual basis is first off for my relationship with my wife. 
Do you know what affects everything around me? Is where my relationship with my wife is. Man, my prayer is to love her, to put her needs and to care for her more than I care for myself. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'm selfish in nature. And the reality and understanding is that I should put her needs above my own. I have to pray that continually. The next prayer that I pray is for my children, that they would love the Lord. Listen, I pray for them on a regular basis that they would love Christ, that they would faithfully live for him. Listen, I don't pray for success. I don't pray for uh, all the things that great educations and all. I pray for them to faithfully live for him. That's what's most important. I pray for them to resist the temptation of sin. I don't know about you if you remember being in junior high and senior high in your first couple years of college, but it seemed like the world and Satan's temptations wanted to devour every ounce of me. And if we as parents don't pray this for our kids, what's going to happen? The reality is that my mom faithfully prayed for me every single morning. Do you know what's weird? Is that my mom would do her workout videos right after she prayed. And so every morning I would see my mom in her purple spandex praying for me. So every time I think of prayer, I think of purple spandex for some reason. I've never tried them out to see if they pray better. But it's crazy to think that those are the memories that are etched in my brain that she faithfully prayed for me every morning. Man, I hope my mom's not listening to this message this morning because I am in big trouble. The last thing I pray for is for this church for the body of Christ, the men and the women, the children that are a part of this church. Here's what my prayers have been for the last 12 years at this church. That God would lead us and use us to reach this community. And until we have reached 20,000 as a church, we haven't reached the whole city of Pooler. Do you realize that we as the church should be faithfully praying for the community that we're involved in? That we should show them the love of Christ every time we get the opportunity. That we should faithfully pray and say, God, use us to reach this place. Another prayer that I pray is to see people come to know Christ. See people begin to live for Christ. That we as a church would take seriously what it means to train and equip people how to live for Christ. And a prayer that I've prayed over these past 12 years is this, to build facilities that will help us reach this community. Listen, I don't know if you've followed interest rates, but they've gone from 45 to 8.5% in the matter of two years. Man, it's tough. But my continual prayer is that God would provide. One of his names is Jehovah Jireh, my God, my provider. Listen, just as we should be persistent in our prayer, we should be persistent in giving to the Lord what is His. Listen, we need to be more persistent as a church, more persistent as a follower of Christ, that we would make sure that we are constantly in prayer. So I ask you this as we close. What are your prayers? 
Are you persistent like the widow was? Listen, whatever has hindered you up to this point, whatever on that list that says, I stopped praying because of other people, I stopped praying because of sin, I stopped praying because of name, whatever it is that allowed you to stop praying and listen to me, don't let it hinder your prayer life. Do you realize the widow would have never gotten justice if she would have quit? Do you realize that that story would be completely different? I think one of the things that lays out the church is he prayed for a little while, but then he gave up. She prayed faithfully for a while, but she stopped. The thing that should define us is that we continually pray persistently and we don't lose heart and we don't give up. Let me close with this thought. The worship team is going to come forward. And as they come forward, we're going to have an altar call where I'm going to ask you, maybe it's been a a while, maybe it's been some place where you've lost heart in what your prayer is. Whatever it is that has stopped you from praying, whatever it is that you've been given up on, whatever it is that God has brought to your heart and your mind this morning, I would ask you to spend some time praying for that. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your kids, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a blessing that you want from the Lord, whatever it is that you've given up on, I tell you this morning, stop giving up and be persistent. Listen, I love that scripture tells us the faithful prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Maybe the reason that your spiritual life is in the condition that you are is because you've become faint-hearted and weak. So I ask you, I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to ask you to spend some time, whether you're in your chair or at this altar this morning, but that you would spend some time genuinely talking to your Heavenly Father saying, I don't want to give up anymore. I don't want to be a quitter. I I want to be persistent in what my prayers are. I want to be faithful to you. I I don't want to go a day without hearing your voice or speaking to you. Let's pray. Dear Father, I come to you thankful for the example of this widow. Lord, somebody that in her culture would be considered somebody that, that, that really wasn't the most significant person in this culture. Lord, it reminds us that you see all of us. You hear our prayers. Father, may we stop praying to get what we want, but may we begin to pray just to talk to you. Father, out of almost 7 billion people on this earth, you hear our voice, you know us, and you listen and you answer prayers. Father, I pray for those that have been praying faithfully for years, seeking for you to work. Father, I pray that you would answer those prayers. 
Father, I pray for those that have lost heart. I pray that you would just re-energize their hearts, help them to know who you are as their God, and that they would be even more persistent in their prayers. Father, I pray that you would be with us as a church. May we not lose heart in the culture that's around us. Because, Lord, there's some persistent people trying to do away with the church right now. Father, may we be more persistent than that. Father, help us to be that persistent widow that seeks you and seeks your justice on a regular basis. Father, we lift all these things up to you. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. If everybody would stand as we sing this next verse of invitation. Listen, this altar is open to you. Whatever it is that that you've been praying for years, maybe it's just time to pray it again. Whatever it is that has distracted you, whatever it has been, that unrighteous judge that's in your life, whatever it is that has deterred you from talking to your Heavenly Father, remove it this morning and spend time in prayer, whether it's at this altar or in your seat this morning.